one of the advantages of the squat and the press up is because you're moving vertically up and down, uh, you get these big surges in blood to the brain. And these trigger the release in the brain of a substance called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is like fertilizer for your brain cells. You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance, and longevity. My name is Angela Foster, and I'm a former corporate lawyer and high performance health coach. Each week, I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights, and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance, and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, if you've been listening to me for a while, you'll be familiar with the fact that I love micro movements and moving throughout the day to enhance blood flow and recovery, helps with energy, helps with concentration. It's just really good for your all-round health. Rather than just thinking about scheduled exercise sessions, it's about building more kind of movement into your day. And in this bite-sized episode with Dr. Michael Mosley, you're going to hear about some of the science behind that, why squats are so good, how they um, release BDNF, which is like miracle grow for your brain. And Dr. Dr. Mosley also talks about the importance of taking the stairs down. You might be thinking, well, actually, I'll take the stairs up because that's good exercise instead of the lift. But in here, he shares the science on why you might be wanting to take the stairs down and a whole bunch of other little hacks that you can incorporate easily into your day. But before we do that, I just want to share with you something new and exciting. I have opened up my Facebook group, High Performance Health, really as an opportunity to connect with my listeners on a deeper level. I'm going in there every single week with live trainings and also just sharing a whole bunch of stuff that I don't have the opportunity to share on this podcast and to connect with you more in person so we get to kind of see each other and I would love for you to join me so that is over on Facebook if you're on that platform I will put a link to the group in the top show top note of the show notes Uh, it's a wonderful community of women it's called high performance health and uh, yeah I'd love to see you in there so anyway in the meantime enjoy this bite-sized episode and if you want to listen to the full episode it is episode 151 It's interesting, isn't it, as, as well, actually, because I think a lot of people default to going out and just going for a run and they think that will help to burn fat and they underestimate just the impact that resistance training will have at rest, uh, but also in terms of improving things like insulin sensitivity um, as well. What do you have people do? How do you sort of divide that up? Is it a sort of two to three times a week initially resistance training? Um, it's obviously easier to get results, isn't it, in an unconditioned individual than it is in one someone who is already quite conditioned? Absolutely. So um, we have different levels depending and you can enter your level, uh, depending on how fit or unfit you are at the moment. And uh, we have sort of, um, you know, trained exercise physiologists who will guide you through it. Uh, But it's essentially, as you say, three, maybe four times a week. Um, It is a form of HIIT, high intensity uh, resistance training. So you, uh, you know, do a combination of different forms, uh, mainly using your body weight, but there's also stuff with weights. So you, for me, the two sort of, you know, main exercises uh, really are the squat and the push-up. And if you do those, then you're doing pretty well. And then there's lots of refinements beyond that, in planks, sideways planks, you name it, uh, you can throw it in. But I've um, just written a book called Just One Thing. And one of the things I write about there is the benefits of the um, press-up and the squat. Uh, not just for building muscle, but also because of the effect on the brain. So um, I uh, spoke to a researcher at the University of South Wales who's been looking into this, and he said that one of the advantages of the squat and the press-up is because you're moving vertically up and down, uh, you get these 
big surges in blood to the brain. And these trigger the release in the brain of a substance called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is like fertilizer for your brain cells. So he came up with a phrase, basically calls them intelligent exercises because he's demonstrated cognitive improvement in people who do these particular exercises and uh, you know compared to running or aerobic uh, the benefits are much much bigger um certainly you know per minute done but you can get these things over and done with in a surprisingly short amount of time it's interesting it's music to my ears because it means that all that glute training that i do in the gym is paying off not just in terms of aesthetics but in terms of my brain as well and actually, do you know, it's interesting because I think when I was looking into it as well, the research, like if you're listening to things and trying to learn as well, exercising at the same time. So I'll often listen to a podcast or read an audible book while I'm training in the gym. And I do find that I retain things better. I think my concentration's better. Um, so what you were saying there, does that apply to both the squat and the push up? Yes, it does. Um, so because in both cases, you are going through a vertical motion, probably more, uh, you get more bang for your buck with the squat, because the squat, you'd move more. And um, another thing uh, I write about in the book is eccentric exercise, which you may be familiar with, concentric and eccentric. So there's been some fascinating research. This is the difference. So if you are lifting weights, then as you lift them up, that is the concentric because you're tightening the muscles as you lower them down, that's eccentric or eccentric. And surprisingly enough, um, there's some researchers in Australia who demonstrated that almost all the benefit comes from the going down. They did a study in which they got people either to do just lift the weights or just lower the weights or lift and lower. And it turned out that just lowering the weight was as effective as lifting and lowering. Um, so he said you get the same results with half the amount of effort. And he also did another study, which was very entertaining, where he got a group of overweight women uh, to uh, walk either up six flights of stairs or down six flights of stairs. And they had to take a lift the other way. And they did this three or four times a week for six weeks. And at the end of that time, the women who had been walking downstairs got the most benefit. They burnt more calories. They got bigger improvements in their bone density and bigger improvements in things like their cholesterol scores and fat scores. Uh, which That's is super not interesting. what you would expect. No. Obviously, it's better if you go upstairs and downstairs, uh, but downstairs seems to be even better than going upstairs. And that's what I love about science. You come across all sorts of weird stuff, uh, which yeah. surprises me. About so all the people that dodge the lift, then, well, they take the lift and dodge the stairs. Actually, yes. a really good place to start then is take the lift up and walk back down and out of the office. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that seems to be because, as he explained, um, when you exercise, as you know, uh, you do micro tears. Basically, you damage yourself, and it's the repair uh, which happens in your off days that actually, where, where the body builds back stronger, it responds to damage by going, okay, uh, I need to build back stronger. And when you're going downstairs, and indeed when you're lowering the weights, or indeed when you're going down on the squat, you are damaging your muscle more than when you're going up. And it also requires greater, in a way, effort to do it to, mean, to make sure that you're not seriously damaging yourself it's those micro tears which seem to contribute to the fact that the metabolic rate is higher uh, and you burn more calories going downstairs than upstairs Who interesting knew? i suppose actually when you look at mountain biking right when you're going down it is actually much harder to control than you're going up obviously this, it's effortful when you're going up but people i think underestimate actually trying to hold the bike when you're going down a steep hill 
Absolutely. And when you go up a mountain, you think it's knackering going up, but you're fine when you're going down. You cannot say, oh, well, the reason it's feeling tiring now must be because I've had to go up the mountain. And that's, I'm, you know, this is payback time. But actually, the reality is it's harder work going down mm. the mountain than going up. That's why you feel really knackered when you're on the way down. When you're going down. And it's good as well. Eccentric uh, movements are actually good for connective tissue, aren't they, as well? I think they supporting are. the joints. Huge benefits um, all around. Um, so, yeah, uh, at the very least, if you're going to uh, shun the lift, do walk down the stairs um, and you'll get benefit from that. I, I, I always want to chat people on escalators, but I see people standing on escalators going down. I think really this is, you know, this is the minimum amount of effort you could make. You could walk down a set of escalators. You know, so, yeah. Sadly, yeah. our built environment is created in such a way as uh, to uh, encourage us to do as little as possible. And I think that's obviously a huge part of uh, the problem with the modern world is that yeah, we have made sure. it too easy. For sure. And actually that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, what we call NEAT, is responsible more when you look at it as a component of total calorie burn than people's exercise, isn't it? I think something like 20% is attributed to NEAT and 10% to exercise. Whereas most people are kind of laboring under the assumption that if they've got a scheduled a session at the gym, that's okay. Whereas actually it's the movement. I, I was reading an article recently that was talking about people doing calf raises or, or twitching their calf muscles at their at their desk and just how much that was contributing to calorie burn. Absolutely, and all these bits um, help. Um, a few years ago, I did a film for Horizon called The Truth About Exercise in which I discovered the joys of high intensity interval training and um, the amount of benefit you get from very short periods of time. But as part of that, I also uh, joined an American professor. Um, he gave me a thing he called his um, neat pants. And they were basically a pair of pants that kind of measured all the movements you did during the day. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it turned out that I wasn't big enough. And he, met, he basically was estimating how many calories I burned. Uh, and it was clear I was sitting around far too much. So, yeah, was, um, that was very entertaining. Yeah. yeah, very entertaining. I was actually looking at one of your articles uh, uh, before the show, and it was around you doing HIIT training and looking at the improvements that you saw through HIIT training in terms of insulin sensitivity, but you didn't see the same improvements as they were expecting in terms of VO2 max, and they yes. put that down to genetics. Can you explain a bit about that? Because it was very interesting. Sure, because as I'm sure you know, uh, VO2 max is an incredibly important um, measure of your health. Indeed, Professor Jamie Timmons, who I was having this sort of, he was guiding me through this exercise program. He said the two greatest predictors of life expectancy are probably your insulin sensitivity, that's incredibly important. And the other one is your, um, your, you know, your, your VO2 max, you're basically, you, how much oxygen can you, the maximum amount of oxygen you can burn when you're really pushing yourself. So the best way of doing it is going to a lab, they put an oxygen mask, they put a mask onto you and they measure how much oxygen you're breathing in and out as you push yourself to the absolute limit on a bike. But uh, most of us can't do that. There are online you know, calculators or the simplest thing is to measure your pulse because your pulse is actually, again, not a bad measure of your aerobic fitness, which is what this thing is measuring. And so um, I did this HIIT program and it did great things for my insulin sensitivity, but not so much for my VO2 max. My VO2 max was okay for someone my age. Um, I'm now 65, I think I was 55 when I made that film. But he had taken, Jamie had taken a blood sample before I started the whole thing. And uh, he said, uh, when I came back and we remeasured everything and I said, wow, I'm a bit disappointed it didn't get better. He said, we've measured your particular genetic marker 
And we predicted on the basis of that, that you would get almost zero benefit in terms of your VO2 max. You might stop it getting worse, but it's very unlikely uh, you'll ever be able to boost it that much because he said you were right down there at the bottom score. So he said, yeah, on the other hand, um, I have the markers of someone who puts on muscle very quickly if I weight train. So there are swings and roundabouts uh, that our genetics to some extent will determine our uh, body shape, but also which sports we're going to excel in. If you enjoy this podcast, visit femalebiohacker.com and be part of a special community of women looking to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. If you're tired of sifting through countless websites and books to find the answers to your questions about nutrition, fitness, hormones, mindset, spirituality, and biohacking, the search is over. I've done the research for you and every week we go live with in-depth masterclasses, Q&A calls and monthly challenges to help you transform your life. And when you join the collective, you'll have access to a wealth of information, including deep dive masterclasses and biohacking toolkits on our members' favorites like metabolic flexibility, gut health, stress and resiliency, and stepping into your most empowered self. Get access and be coached by me and my team and level up your health, career and life all for less than a dollar a day. Go to femalebiohacker.com or click the link below to get started and I'll see you on the inside.